and welcome to episode four of Get the PhD podcast. I'm Sammy. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tom. And this week we're going to be focusing on Thomas Morris's research. I don't like being full named like that. Thomas Stephen Morris. That's harsh. Or as everyone refers to you on Cardiffnet email system, Stephen no, Morris. I fixed that now. <laughs> Stephen <laughs> Thomas Morris. Have you fixed that? I, I tried Today. to. I just emailed them literally five minutes ago. Oh. So let's see. Okay, that might not fix it. They're probably going to reply and go, "Hi, Stephen. Sorry to know. <laughs> I know. Sorry to see your your issue here." Or what? What if they then go, "Hi, Morris." <laughs> oh no, they're like, "Okay, we'll fix the problem for you now." <laughs> and then people start calling you Morris. It's Morris gonna get Stephen. broken. Whatever happens in it. Morris Thomas Stephen. I think I prefer Morris. It suits you. You look a Morris. You look like a Chloe. We don't want to <laughs> get into that, do we? Right, we're getting distracted. Get <laughs> I forenamed you because on your professional Twitter that me and Hannah created, your name is Thomas Morris. Is it? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> is it? Is I don't it think it is. No. I think his username is like Thomas M and lots of numbers. Thomas. Oh, okay, not Tom. With you, I thought. Do you think he means full name in terms of forename and surname? Yeah, was that not what you were on about? Yeah. Oh, ah. about. <laughs> oh I thought you meant because I, I called you Thomas. Because we don't call you Thomas. We call you Tom. I, I'm confused. Right, let's move let's on. Well, we're getting like very distracted. It's like, you don't, it's like you don't call me Samuel. <laughs> right, distracted. <laughs> okay. Let's get into Sorry. it. So Sorry, sidetracked. Um, so... Here's the jingle. So, Tom, do you want to uh, give us a little bit of a brief description and kind of background to your research? Um, Yeah, so, as you know, my project was a bit different. I didn't get to really decide everything going on, but... I applied for what was like a job on the Cardiff Med website, which was an ethnographic approach to alternative education. So I pretty much go into the alternative education provision, spend a lot of my time there, as you guys can see. Mm. And then, yeah, it's down to me then to find out what they do, how they do um, their own strategies, what works for them, and just try and make things better for when the kids leave. Lovely. yeah. What's your what's your partner school? Do you wanna do you wanna the like placement school? Do you uh, wanna like a name drop shout them? Out? Yeah, name drop them. I don't think I can name drop the actual school, but ah, the provision okay. is AL Direct. AL Direct. Okay. Lovely. So, can you explain like what alternative education like provision you were in? Because there's different types, right? Kind of. What do you mean? Like alternative education with like this homeschooling. This oh, right. Like okay. Yeah. 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 So like. Um, these kids, they haven't been formally excluded, but they were on like the brink, so they considered like at-risk students. Okay. So what happens is the owner of AL Direct went into the high school and pretty much said, give me 11 of your um, hardest to support students. So they've been taken from their secondary school, placed in this provision, and they'll do like vocational and core qualifications there instead. So they're there full-time Monday to Friday? Yeah, but... Okay. They have like shortened hours, so everything's like made tailored towards them. So we've seen that mainstream school just can't support them; they can't do it. So instead, they come in about ten o'clock until two o'clock. They work in the session. They have like two forty-five minute sessions on um, well, academia, and then they do activity sessions in the afternoon, which I know you lot really appreciate. Yeah, Tom comes into the office and he's been ice skating or trampolining or for a walk or something fun. So it's just great, isn't it? In the office in the research house. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it, ju- it just shows that everything they get to do is building their social skills. See, I like it. And you get to go along. 
Exactly. <laughs> that's the best part. When you could be in the research house. But yeah, that's the main thing about my project, though, isn't it? Because it's ethnographic. Oh, of course, yeah. I have to be yeah. there. Of like course, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. That's like a major difference, like what most people would be doing for their PhDs. Yeah, I'm sure some people don't spend much time at their placement schools. No, which, I'm, you sure, know. I'm sure some don't. <laughs> yeah, um, some so get quite worried about that, don't so they? So, what's ethnography for people that. Have oh, I said it wrong again? <laughs> ethnography. <laughs> ethnography. I can't say it right. It's getting closer. I'm doing my. I'm doing my. This wrong. Ethnography. 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 Anyway. Right. So, <laughs> ethnography is when you become like part of their culture. So they know I'm a researcher, but at the same time, I have to like become like part of their little team sort of thing. So while I'm there, I'm acting as a sort of teaching assistant. Mm -hmm. I do all their usual sort of jobs. I have to help out in the academic sessions. My main job for the first couple of months was just to build a pool with the students. So like plenty of people have said they're the hardest group to sort of interact with, like mm -hmm. at-risk at -risk students. So I had to go in just accepted pretty much yeah which so it comes with lots of ethical ethical problems then right a lot yeah yeah so i think i have to go approval just to sort of write my own experiences and things down because what i experience at the center is wholly driven by what the staff and students do yeah so so have you yeah. been have you been finding it sorry to button have you been finding it difficult or easier to kind of get that like acceptance and that kind of like or is part it harder? of the group when you do the trampolining and the ice skating and those kind of socializing bits is that easier or is that more difficult is it kind of harder to get maintain that relationship to be professional and stop it kind of going over the not professional line but over the researcher line that's like the main like ethnography challenges like my supervisor came and wrote the paper and like then things like both came up in there mm -hmm. so it's not easy obviously to go in and do it but have i told you both about my interview for this place like the whole PhD? Mm, vaguely, a little bit. So the participants of my study interviewed me before I even met them. Like, I had to come mm. in. There was a small room. I was expecting, like, two or three students ask me some personal questions just to sort of get to know you sort of thing. I walk into this room, and there's 11 students sat around in a circle with their staff members dotted around. And I have to go in, and they ask me things like... Um, how would you cope on our most challenging days? Like, what would you do when we really, like, sort of just get unhappy or angry? I was like, whoa, now this is a bit, like, it's a bit more full-on than I thought it was going to be for an interview. So I was, was going to say, you literally didn't expect that? No. They I didn't tell you that that was going to be Well, all setup. I knew was there was two parts of the interview. There was one part of the students and one part with um, Gary and Keelan, the supervisors. So, yeah, I didn't expect 11 students to be, like, quizzing me on sort of behavioural techniques and okay. strategies. Sometimes better to be put on the spot, though, right, than, like, kind of preempted that. Well, I think it really helped because they saw me in an uncomfortable situation. So it's like they felt this sort of power thing then, really. Mm. Because when I went to the setting after that, the first thing Sri Lanka me and said was, oh, sorry, we were laughing in your interview. Because they were just three in a corner, <laughs> and they just laughing their head off the whole way through it, and had to get like escorted out of the place. So obviously, in an interview, that's really unnerving, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I walked out of there. It just remember getting my dad's car, and I was like, "Nah, I better start looking for more." <laughs> well, as when you're like you say in an interview, if someone's laughing, yeah. you kind of think I'm saying something wrong, or I'm making, I'm coming across as not stupid, but a bit, you know. Yeah. I 
I didn't think it was a good picture at all. But it's something that even the students like like comment even now, just like funny moments from it or something that maybe I said in the interview that I've completely forgot about now. And it just shows that like they appreciated that. Yeah, being involved. Yeah, I think exactly. That's a good starting point for them to get to know you as a researcher because they come to university, kind of see all of this setting and then meet you. So it's kind of that understanding behind it a little bit more so than someone yeah, just exactly. walking into this setting and being like, Hi <laughs> So like especially for ethnography, they appreciate now that I have they I have a job there and as they've seen the university they come here the other day as well. Mm-hmm. They can see everything I have to do here as well. It's like all the project side of it that maybe I wouldn't say they didn't appreciate if they didn't come here, but it makes a lot more sense to them now when I say, oh, I have to leave early today because I've got a meeting or something. Yeah, they can make a bit more of a connection. Yeah, exactly. It's not like you're a person who just kind of, like, you kind of drop in and watch them and kind of do stuff with them and then just disappear. Yeah, exactly. That's what I didn't want. Like, I don't want them thinking that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them thinking that I don't care or anything. Like, the way to engage with these students is to show a commitment and you really want to help them. So that was, like, a big job all the way up until now, pretty much. Uh, seems like a good kind of transition into kind of the key themes of alternative education and the research and the literature that you've been looking at, I suppose. And but Yeah, obviously, coming to the research house, you have to do a ton of reading then. So all the themes and like challenges of alternative education I'm finding, I can see happening in the centre. Correlating, yeah. Like, the most important thing is going to be respect. Like, if you don't respect the kids, they're never going to speak to you. They're never going to appreciate what you do. And they just won't go, pretty much. Like respect is massive there. A lot of things. Mm, very interesting. It's, um, it's a lot different to what you'd expect. Like, when I went there, I didn't know what the setting would look like or anything at all. I just got told, show up at this time, and someone will show you where we go, pretty much. I walk into this really large community centre, and the first thing that struck me was, there's a pool table in the middle of there. Like, yeah. th- this <laughs> is their classroom. Yeah, because you kind of would just imagine like a, a classroom just not in a school. Or well, that's what I'd yeah. picture anyway. I wouldn't picture kind of like a community centre. I would tables. still picture it as a setup of, yeah, like you but say, like desks classes, classroom, desks, chairs, yeah. whiteboard or some kind of information yeah. space kind of thing, yeah. Well, that's how I was going to bring up. Like, you guys, like, if you haven't been to alternative education, you wouldn't know things that I see as like typical now. Like, that's mm-hmm. why my reflexive diaries helped me, like, point out what I thought was different. And then that can be put into research, like how you just become accustomed to these sort of things. Like, as they weren't coping in mainstream schools, the difference in alternative education is like working in small groups. There's no teacher at the front of the class. They just work in literally groups of four or five and get on with their work. Like, that's not something you might know from doing a PGC, say. Yeah. So obviously they need to find teachers that will appreciate that and know how to work that space. So it's all... Interesting. Very different. Is it? It's really different, obviously, but it's just it's something. As I'm there more, I'm getting more and more used to it, and that's something I'm concerned about now. Is how much am I going to get used to and just think it's normal, or how much mm. do I need to be picking up on, putting like in my notes or something? I think that's why your reflective log will be super, super interesting to see when yeah. you look back over three so. years and then like what you thought of it initially and then how that evolved. Even like the unconscious things that you would be putting down, you can compare. I think that'll be super interesting. Even reading through them now, I'm thinking, oh, I've completely forgot about that. Yeah. Like they're just things you don't think are major at the time. You just sort of note them down and think, yeah, okay, that happened today. But it's just like the smallest things can change the whole day at the alternative education. 
So it can either be really good or really bad. So a recent one, before coming into the school, two of the kids went to like a joke shop sort of thing and bought um, stink bombs. <laughs> that disrupted the whole week then. Oh, God. The whole week. <laughs> and then, obviously, the, the staff have to find ways to, like, reward and consequences. They're like, oh, okay, well, we're not going out now because you set off stink bombs and stuff like that. So and it's just no trampoline then? No, I didn't get to go trampoline <laughs> for a full <laughs> week. I was devastated. But then surely that kind of backfires sometimes as well because it'll just result in a worse afternoon. What about the kids that didn't buy stink bombs? Like... Uh, the thing when I say about respect in the centre is that they take respect that little step further. Like, for them, it's a sort of snitches get stitches rule. <laughs> like, <laughs> they will not, like, own up to any wrongdoings from each other. Like, it, it's oh, okay. said every day. You wouldn't expect them in a normal school, but you expect mm. them maybe here. It's like, coming from where I was in the valleys, postcodes like never important sort of thing yeah but to these guys their postcodes is like some sort of like membership they have really? it's like a massive thing like i remember the first time they took them to the shop they walk around shouting cf5 i'm like what are you doing <laughs> like, i don't understand this i've missed something by it but it's getting to know like these little like quirks of what they do that i wouldn't have had without ethnography yeah and you only get that by being there the amount of time that you are there exactly like if i just if I just went in and done like interviews or something, mm. it'd be a complete false conception of like what's going on. Yeah. Like for starters, you think, oh, okay, it's easy to like meet up with these students. You make an appointment and show up, sort of thing. But no, like the unstructured sort of days. Mm-hmm. Like this week, I was meant to meet them in a McDonald's in Cardiff Bay. I got down there, and then there's a text like, oh, we're going to Bridge End instead now. <laughs> so <laughs> escape then. It, it's hard to hard to be good like within ethnography with this sort of like structure but it has to be done mm-hmm. like that's how they work i, I don't want to change that so with the like evidence and things i'm finding from um the literature at the moment is seen that the main points that come up from students about alternative education is that they have positive experiences compared to negative and mainstream and that's things like having a better sense of acceptance and specifically like teacher-student relationships like, I'm not sure about where you two went to school, but I didn't have the best relationships with my teachers. Mm. Like, you had um, one or two maybe you liked. Yeah, I, I think with most people in mainstream secondary schools and primary schools, you always have, like, one or two. Yeah. And mm. they're always your favourite subjects, but almost partly because of the teacher. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And it really influences, like, your future career path of teacher. Because if you like your geography teacher throughout school, you kind of tend to stick with geography and then progress so it does really influence yeah my drama teacher in secondary school i got on with really well and and then you did drama at uni drama (laughs) a level with the same teacher i had the same teacher from year seven through to year 12 year Mm -hmm. 13 with for drama and then came and did it at uni and i'm still doing elements of it now with my phd so So massively influential relationships uh, have an impact so like in alternative education is a lot to do with teachers isn't it Mm -hmm. and they teach sort of all the subjects instead of just one or two so students aren't saying, like, oh, I don't like that subject because of the teacher, because it's the same teacher teaching their favourite subject. That's something I've, I, I, I've always thought about in terms of primary school. Yeah. And the fact that you have a teacher, I, I think I had maybe one or two subjects different, but very rarely, and that was more like year six, getting used to the set, the set up of secondary yeah, schools. Yeah, exactly. But in primary school, like you say, like you wouldn't associate a teacher with a subject. You'd just have a teacher, and that was it, and it 
I assume it makes the relationships a bit easier to de- develop. Obviously, you come across your rough spots because when, like, say a teacher goes against their word or something, you've lost a massive amount of respect there and you have to build that back up. Like, there's arguments, like, often within the centre sort of thing, where it's more of, um, it looks like it's a lot easier to recover than if it was a teacher they only saw, say, once a week. Because if they saw that teacher once a week, then they're just going to have a negative perception next time they see them. Oh, see, I was going to think that maybe it was more dangerous because if you've kind of broken that relationship that you have so closely with that teacher that teaches you for everything, so in the alternative education setting, then that's kind of more detrimental than if you break a relationship with your drama teacher who you see once a fortnight. I was thinking maybe that would be more dangerous. Do you kind of see what I mean? It could be. I haven't seen, like, a broken relationship yet. I've mm. just seen, like, um, say, testing of it, really. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting to say, like, if they really didn't get on with the teacher, there's only going to be, well, three other members of staff there at one time for that student to work with. So they obviously make comments, and you have to go through that pretty much. Mm-hmm. It, it's just banter. The first thing I was warned of going in is you you will be like subject like all sorts of criticism <laughs> and things. Like I was going to say, is yeah. it almost like some kind of initiation where they'll find out your resolve quite early on and maybe test... It is, yeah. That's the beauty of How making much you kids, can take. though. You just have the honest, the honest truth all day, every day. <laughs> this is what I like come across now. Like, I was writing about ethnographic challenges like you've seen yesterday, mm-hmm. and I was saying when you go to an, any adult goes to work in the school, they will be tested by the kids. They'll check yeah. the boundaries, like what you can and can't do, how far yeah, you go to trouble. It's just natural instinct to test the water, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's always the the typical stereotype of when you have a a substitute teacher oh yeah everybody's <laughs> kind of rubbing their hands together thinking uh like i've been a substitute teacher and it's not something i would ever go and do again like <laughs> yeah pupils like sammy testing you yeah exactly <laughs> definitely Just a little i'm menace. not saying i was one of those students <laughs> rubbing, rubbing their hands the hand. <laughs> i was the one shining the apple that was on the desk and oh, of course mm. making sure that everything was ready for the substitute teacher. Oh. I, think. <laughs> I can really believe that but yeah the um the whole teacher-student th- relationship thing is like a major part of what I'm looking at now. Like in alternative education, that's like one of the main things is the way I see it. If that's not there, you've got big problems. Mm-hmm. The same as if I didn't build rapport with these students, the project would have to take a completely new direction. Yeah, the willingness to learn, isn't it? Like it has to be. Yeah. Mm. You s- if you're not willing to like go and participate, like ethnography is about participation. Like you can't just go and observe. You're there doing the things. When you say go trampolining and stuff, I'm not expected to go and watch them trampoline. I'm expected to go and do front flips and back flips off the top of the box <laughs> onto a little <laughs> tiny little trampoline. And can you? I don't know. Oh, getting better, I imagine. Yeah. I just couldn't walk for the next couple of days. Get so much practice <laughs> every other week. That's mean everything they go and do, they want to see me like getting involved. Like it's like a continuous, continuous sort of test sort of thing. Yeah. So there's this one time they went free running, and this was when I really badly hurt my leg and couldn't walk. <laughs> I just looked at these walls like, wow, what am I going to do by <laughs> here now? But they had this huge rope dangling from the ceiling, and they were all just jumping off onto crash mats and stuff, so I thought, oh, I can give that a go. And when I landed, they were like, oh, yes, yeah, you're so cool, look at that. you actually done it, boys, look at that. <laughs> and stuff like that, you think, okay, like, this is what I need to be doing to build that rapport now. It's good that, like like you say, you've got that research ahead on constantly. I think Hannah mentioned it earlier in terms of that fine line of, not not in terms of professionalism, but you've got to remember that you're a researcher in that, yeah, in exactly. that situation. I and think if you that's drop that, 
that's why your work, like your week works, because you spend your morning there, then your afternoon. So you're kind of coming back yeah. to reality research, your head back on. So you're constantly getting back into that mindset rather than like being at the school straight for a month and then coming back into research. I think what you're doing kind of keeps that. Yeah, I think that, that would be difficult. Yeah, it keeps that researcher balance. But like one of the main concerns I have as well now is that what happens when I'm not there? Like today, when I've had to come back early for a meeting. Is that going to be impacting them? Like, is that a change to their day? Like, how mm. much disruption is that going to be causing? I thought it was a really cheeky thing for some reason to say, okay, I have to focus on, like, more of my research now. And that's when I drop my hours from, like, 9 till 2 till 9 till sort of half 12, 1. Mm-hmm. And it's strange because it's sort of this role conflict then that I shouldn't have to feel cheeky to say I need to focus on this part because the project is aiming to benefit them. Like, they want to know how alternative education can be improved and that's yeah. what I'm there for. And this is the point where you need to be there and need to be understanding all of this thing like before you actually start like data collection and well yeah. not start data collection such because you kind of are already but like before you start interpreting data because after that point then it's kind of then it's a different story but for now it really works I think like you'll get good data. That's the intention so like now I'm moving on to my next ethics stage where I want to start note-taking, where I want to be taking like quotes from what maybe the kids are saying that could be helpful in the future or just <laughs> the poignant things that happen in the day are like determine what goes on later on. Mm-hmm. Like at the moment I can only give my experiences, but that will only take me so far. So this next step now is like going to be major in sort of progress of the project. So is there anything in terms of, I don't really, I'm not too familiar with ethnography, um, but <laughs> give me the eyes. Just, just, <laughs> just making sure I say it right this time, because I don't right, want to fall yeah. into the trap of I can't say saying it. it so many times. When you say a word so many times, it sounds oh, wrong. It's, it's gone in my head. But so <laughs> ethnography. So in terms of, is there something like as you collect more data, or as you you start the data collection, is there something within ethnography that kind of talks about how the researcher needs to not let that kind of impact how they interact with the people and with the students? And if it's, I, I don't know how to word it. Like uh, not pushing them for certain quotes or certain data and trying to prize it out of them, just letting it ha- happen naturally. Uh, yeah, definitely. In is that, that the sense. whole thing of ethnography? Is it? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have a clue. I might, I might be. So, ethnography, you want to be like an invisible researcher sort of thing. You want to be seeing how they live their day to day lives, essentially. Like, you being there is inadvertently like, going to change things. Like, for example, in one of my first few weeks, they asked me to take students to the shop because there was no one else to do it. And they wouldn't have had that possibility if I weren't there. So mm-hmm. even that was a change. There was another one where a student started a fight, and I was asked to stay inside with like the ones who weren't there, who didn't need to go outside and cool off. Again, they couldn't have done that if I weren't there. So there are inadvertent changes. But the point is, you'd want to make big changes that are going to like disastrously affect your data. So if I was telling them like my views on what I think alternative education like does, then that could influence it. I know in a meeting we had with supervisors, one of the managers turned around to his group and gave an example of what he thought worked, which was like small groups together work better. And I know Gary had to like come over and say to him, like, yeah, you, you can't say that to them. You can't put these ideas in their head. Like the whole point is getting their ideas, what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And that's really going to be like what I'm looking for. It's hard. It's hard not to put your opinion in. Like, even it just subconsciously, sometimes it just slips out. And you're like, oh. especially if you're like kind of seen as a member of staff, as in that terms. Like, if they're asking for yeah. advice and opinions of people, it's really hard not to be like, that's great. That's not. 
or senses where like I have to help out in maths and that's my strongest subject so they can see now that I'm a lot more useful for the maths work than the English work so I'll work for like certain sets of groups and things but I do want them thinking that they're only going to be getting their maths grade because I'm helping them with the work really mm-hmm. like I am there as a teaching assistant as well I can't just deprive them like oh no I'm not helping out in the sessions like I'm just here to watch but at the same time I do want to be making them think that I'm doing things differently to what other teachers would be doing. Yeah. So it's really hard to try and find a balance, but that's the main aspect. Kind of going off what I said again, and I might be explaining the (laughs) basics of ethnography (laughs) again, but is there kind of a point where you need to not almost cut off interaction, but when you start data analysis, do you need to kind of take a further step back? Because that might then impact how you interact with them again. Um, I don't know if it's about taking a further step back. Like in ethnography, it's a lot of it is u- being used with grounded theory. So, like your next sort of um, direction of your data comes from your last interviews. So, I it's like I don't want my opinions being um, influential to the children in terms of the data, and I still don't want that. The more I find out, so obviously I've gone in with my own perceptions at the start of what alternative education would be. Is it useful? Like, they're all just my ideas. You can't escape from that. They're there. Mm. And now it's just going into and finding out. Um, yeah, it's just making sure you don't take any new ideas, like, into the data selection part then. So I want to have an open mind when I'm looking at interview transcripts. I don't want to be thinking, okay, this relates to that paper, but not this one. I just want to be thinking, this is the data. I'll look at literature later on sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought I'd ask like you guys questions about alternative education now and just see what you think of it. Because okay. the ideas that I didn't know about at the start, I'm wondering what other people would think pretty much. Okay, fire away. So the first one would be, how does a student's time at alternative education come to an end? Oh, that's interesting. Come to an end. So I suppose in that you almost consider like what's the the aim of alternative alternative education? And if it... Sort of. If it meets that overall goal or target, do they then need it? If they then stop going to the alternative education, will they go back to how things were before it? Or I, I don't know. I think my answer would kind of be when they have a plan in place of like where things are going. So whether they get a qualification and know that they're going to go on to college to do something, or they get a vocational qualification in like whatever, and then go on and like pursue a career in that. There's no point just kind of letting them go I'm thinking more like older ages I think like secondary oh, so school oh so like when they go on to like maybe work and yeah. Cause I'm realistic- about like 14, 15 like yeah. the sort of bracket you're thinking now. realistically you're not going to go to that setting where you've been doing a, like small amount of work a day per day and then you're going out in the afternoon and having like an enjoyable activity and blowing off steam you're not going to go back into full stream mainstream after that like full days of work it's just not going to happen i can't imagine no no it it simply wouldn't well i can't i can't see that working in any way so i feel like unless you've got a kind of plan or like a phased return to that still then i I don't think they'd be very happy going back to a full day of work that is an interesting point because a lot of people say the aim of alternative education is to integrate them back into mainstream really but now a lot of researchers are saying how can they reintegrate when they refer it to a setting that works for them that they like yeah. They're being told, are oh, you going back to that one you didn't like and didn't work for you now? 
And I think that's the problem with our education system is everyone is forced through the same thing, basically, and we try and keep everyone in mainstream. But some people are different and the setting needs to be different to incorporate exactly. what works for them. So that works for them. So why are you putting them back in it? They've found something that works. So focus on getting what qualifications they want and what future path they want to pursue. Like That should be the aim of it. And getting Slightly off on a, not a huge tangent, but that's kind of similar to like... SEN students and ALN yeah. students and you kind of have your separate area in the school What's the and it's always trying to put them back into back the mainstream in. and yeah. it, you don't have to. Like kind of relates to, um, is it the Albert Einstein quote when it's like, I know what you if mean. you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Oh, you yeah. ruined it now. Why? Is that oh, one of your things? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Nah. <laughs> sorry. I had that in my head What's the full away. thing, though? If you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, then it'll always live its it life. It'll live its life it's believing that it's stupid. Stupid, yeah. yeah. And I think that kind of applies to SEN and alternative education settings. Like it People work definitely. differently. There's like that picture as well of um, there's like a guy behind a desk meant to be a teacher. And then in front of them, there's a monkey, penguin, elephant. You can see on mm-hmm. Julian's wall when you go back into the... Oh, is he on his wall? Yeah. Oh, okay. But essentially, it <laughs> says like... Um, in the interest of like fairness and making sure you're all treated equally, we'll give you the same exam. Go climb that tree. Yeah. And obviously, like, give it just because insane. it's the same thing, it's not equal. It doesn't work for everyone. So yeah, the um, you touched on the actual like end of an alternative education, pretty much. So this seems like three ways. You can either complete your goals, which would be education like qualifications or vocational qualifications, stuff like that. You could be sent home, which is sort of like the excluded aspect. Because alternative education still doesn't work for everyone. Like, there's a lot to be done for all students. So there can still be an aspect where things are taken too far, and they're like, okay, no, you, this can't, like, go on now. Or additionally, there can be voluntary withdrawal. So students mm-hmm. would say, like, well, what's the point? I don't understand, like, what's going on here? Like, this isn't for me. And they'll just drop out. So it's quite different to mainstream, but in the same way it can be twisted too. It's the same sort of way a student would end, but they are huge differences in the way it's done what way is the most popular or not popular but which way is the most common that people kind of go from alternative education do you know i might um, put you on the spot a bit then sorry <laughs> it's, it's debated a lot but speaking to the staff of al direct from mm-hmm. the students who went last year they a lot of them who have gone to things like college or yeah. um even some working now like full time i know some are working in um a couple of retail shops yeah. One's a kind of barbering, I think. Oh, okay. But it's all like trade sort of things. Like these, these are what the sort of jobs are being set up as. Some reaches, researchers are saying, like some identify them as low-grade jobs. Others just identify it, which I agree with, as hands-on jobs, not the academic jobs or things that we've been through. So much missing data on where children go to education end up. So they could go to uni, they have that option because now they have qualifications. But I think from what I've seen and what I've read so far, the main aspect seems to be college, to work on their sort of um, sometimes basic skills, sometimes they want to specialise in, um, you know, someone said scaffolding or building, you know, these sort of things. But it's not about, um, like some of them jobs are going to be, even more higher paid and like better options than jobs which people go into academia yeah of course yeah. sites would go into yeah typically they get where they want to go they'd be in a better place by going to alternative education than if they just yeah. dropped out of school that's essentially yeah of course yeah. that's kind of the first that's like the main argument <laughs>
on what you think reasons for students attending alternative education so why do you think students go is it my kind of stereotypical picture of children that are in alternative educations is kind of maybe with special needs possibly like adhd kind of that don't work in the conventional classroom or also kind of ace children like um adverse like have adverse childhood experiences so don't necessarily oh that's such don't necessarily like cope in a normal classroom and mainstream setting okay that I would be my m- stereotype i suppose my my stereotype would just be students that just have be a hip, like your typical behavior issues within mm-hmm. a school yeah and have kind of not been like discarded by the education system but the a school will look at them and think we don't want them in our school like maybe they won't be good for for grade statistics GCSE and, yeah. statistics. This is a massive thing about like and they put them in they they remove them and then it's kind of alternative education's job to pick up the slack and yeah. actually give this student some support that they need. So this is like a major aspect of um alternative education being abused. Like this is the way like some schools are using it. But the intention of alternative education is just for those who mainstream doesn't work. So it doesn't have to be for behaviour for example. Like from my own experience, I didn't enjoy school. Like, I think I would have preferred something like this where I could focus on the qualifications I actually wanted mm-hmm. instead of learning about history and RE that I've never used in my life. Like, essentially, it's just about students who are either deemed at risk of going into non-educational employment or training, or it's for students who have somehow become disengaged from mainstream. So it doesn't have to be behavioral and things. A lot of it is stereotyped to be that way but there's yeah. a lot of them yeah, there. I, I think they're the more extreme kind of things, isn't it? Like, you think of, like, the extreme cases of people, whereas there are probably some individuals who are just misbehaving in class simply because they don't enjoy it, and it's yeah. kind of a simpler solution for them. That It's just something that they'd like to... Ex- like, something different that is better, works better for them. Someone made a comment the other day in the centre about um, fighting or something, I think it was, and one of the students just turned around and went, oh, but I know you're for fighting, though. So mm-hmm. even he, he is seeing it as a way that like it's perceived to be that way. Just because they're there, it's assumed to be a bad thing, a bad yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> the research I found have said that students may be branded a failure for merely attending alternative education. I think I think that is the stereotype in society. If someone says they're going to an alternative education setting, it's like, well, you failed at mainstream then, why aren't you in mainstream? Like what's what's your problem kind of thing is definitely uh, perceived like that and it's not the case at all does the term alternative education in like this sense refer to like homeschooling maybe sen oh i should be saying aln units and that kind of stuff or is it specifically behavioral emotional like that what you're kind of doing now so for the research i found is specifically in centers like the one i'm working in okay so students who are on the edge of being excluded Mm -hmm. they might mean in the way of homeschooling and things but it's not um they weren't talking about that in the rest of their paper. Yeah. Like obviously, there's loads of different Is it kind of used inter- interchangeably, the term alternative education? Because yeah. it's quite a broad uh, word. It's a major thing I have to look at in my thesis. Yeah. Probably just a whole section or paragraph on, like, Divide. these are the definitions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. These are the different types. Join the crew. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. everybody's got that. Like I spoke about with everything around kids. Yeah. yeah everybody's <laughs> got something like that. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Nothing straightforward, damn it. I suppose it's like painting the picture as well. Like you, when you normally write an essay, you'll come to some working definition, definition for the purpose of that assignment. 
I assume you have to come to some kind of definition and label of alternative education for your thesis. Uh, that's what I'm looking at now, is what I'm going to be doing about that. Lovely. I'm sure, a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll watch you slowly break down as you <laughs> do it. That was super interesting, actually. Like, as much as we talk about your project, like, here and there in the research house, it's good going into detail on yeah. it. Like, I learn a lot more than I... It's still, like, obviously a lot more detail I could go into, but... Yeah, of course. Yeah. But obviously, <laughs> but, like, confidentiality. We haven't got all day. That as well. We run out, of <laughs> run out of episode ideas. We could always have a, a alternative education 2.0, a dyslexia 2.0, everything, yeah. Right, you know, know we're going to be scraping the barrel when they pop <laughs> up yeah. then. <laughs> yeah, we think that's when people need to <laughs> stop listening if they've started listening already. <laughs> so, this week's procrastination of the week. <laughs> I'm prepared. But you can go first because yeah. I know reason all it is. Sammy has three pages. Three pages of procrastinations. It's really bad saying I can't think of one because I'm definitely doing something to procrastinate at some point every day. I just can't think what it is. Well, you've been saying in research house that your procrastination could be trying to think of one, but that's not. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's not that going to be the point, but that is, that I'll is true. I'll go first, okay? Okay. okay? okay. I'll go first. So my procrastination of the week is that I couldn't actually think of any procrastination. <laughs> I had done this past <laughs> Hang on. Hang any, on. Really any actual thing. So... I decided to do some research on procrastination. Oh, oh here we go. So this is uh, some little uh, bits and bobs that I grabbed from alphaefficiency.com. <laughs> so they had an article on the four types of procrastination oh. and how to beat them. So this is this is me trying to, you know, if you do have any procrastination, you could try yeah, and figure out a way to come o- overcome it or alleviate it. So number one, we have the anxious procrastinator. Okay. So they're bad at managing their time. They overschedule their workload, commits too many things, and this leads to stress and anxiety, and then procrastination. Okay. They're just trying to avoid the stress, avoid those negative emotions yeah. linked to the work and stuff. That sounds more stressful than that. Sounds like the worst type of procrastination. I think. Like I think it probably is. <laughs> so, th- how to beat it? You should do the air quotes unschedule, so fill time for fun and rest activities. I, I mean, it doesn't sound very already. good. So basically, you need to, in your, in your say, to-do list or your daily plan, like on your calendar, on your desk, Hannah, you would put, oh, you would put, I don't know, <laughs> go for go for a walk around the office or <laughs> Facebook. This, right, I'm, this, this article I've got multiple problems with. <laughs> no, so that's not going to help here, me. For example, Facebook for 15 minutes, then do oh. work. It's no, not going to be though. Feet. You'll no, click on a video that's twenty minutes long on your last five minutes that you're allowed but on the Facebook, whole point, and it but will spiral. The whole spiral. point is that you you schedule your time for your procrastination so that then when you're doing work you won't but you won't pick up. Your how phone. do you know when you're ready to procrastinate? Because what if I'm really in the workflow and it's like oh eleven o'clock procrastination time and I wasn't even going to procrastinate if I hadn't scheduled in procrastination. That's pretty messed up. Plot well, twist. It's, it's your life. <laughs> I wouldn't if you're if you're okay. if you're taking this article as gospel. Move on. I that's, hate this that's, article. That's your <laughs> So uh, this should lead to a more balanced schedule. And like you say, you can, if you feel like you're in a good workflow, just continue. You don't have to... You no, have but to then you've got the treat. You've, you've got the procrastination scheduled in. Like You can't not take the treat. So number two is the fun procrastination. Ooh. So you would do anything other than the boring task that you have to do. Mm. So but that can still be productive, though, sometimes, because sometimes you'll just do emails whilst you're avoiding something. Or sometimes just do something you'll... A bit. Sometimes, no, no. I or in my so. case, avoid my emails and do something else. Sometimes you'll, uh, you know, you'll find sporkle quizzes. <sighs> or you'll find some research on procrastination, that kind of thing. So 
how to beat the fun procrastination is try some structured procrastinating. Oh. You're going to procrastinate anyway, so you may as well make it useful. So start <laughs> something else on your to-do list. So like you just said, it'll prevent you from doing the dreaded task. But the but dreaded still task doing... is still going to be there. Yeah, At the course. end of the day, no, it's still sitting there. Get it over and done with yeah, it. Instead, of going, to do it. instead <laughs> of going on your phone, like you say, do emails, do something else, just kind of work no. up towards it. It doesn't work. I hate it to break it to you. Feel hate like to I break it to you, but it does not work. I feel like I shouldn't have used this article, Hannah. I'm procrastination <laughs> queen. I understand. <laughs> so, number three is the plenty of time procrastination. So, it's difficult to be motivated for a long-term deadline. PhD. Oh, it's very PhD-related. Yeah. Yes. So, it says set your own deadlines publicly. We're in the research house, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing much work. And I'll say to somebody, oh, I need to do this by, by this date then it kind of makes me think, well, I need to do it because somebody knows that I need to do it. And if they think I'm avoiding it, then it's... <laughs> you like laying them down. Yeah, yeah. You should, well, get, like, you should put your schedule behind you. And when it gets close to date, you should start like throwing stuff at you. Like, we'll get some softballs or something. And then maybe that'll like spark a sense of Sounds agency. <laughs> Procrastination of the week could be going to Sports Direct and buying like, <laughs> tennis balls and footballs and stuff. I would give that a go. Number four, perfectionist procrastination. So fear of failing or not meeting high own standards can cause people to not start a task. Yeah, I, I'd mm. say I'm there. Yeah, so that kind of okay, okay. okay. So how to beat it, Tom, can actually be a good thing for perfectionists, apparently, procrastination, because it breaks the routine and sets more realistic standards when you're doing simpler or easier tasks. Oh, I don't know. Because you, you spend so much yeah. time on something... And you actually realise you don't have to spend that much time on it. You do have more time for maybe just relaxing a bit more. Or taking I had a little time. bit of hope at the beginning of that and then, nah. Yeah, it's gone. gone. I mean, have you ever seen Hannah sending an email? A simple task. <laughs> and it'll take her an hour yeah. to make sure it's worded right. No, spelling that's such a That's such a like, yeah, because I'll always use like the wrong words that mean different things or something. So I'll end up putting something really silly in it. So, sorry to let you down there, but that was my procrastination of the week. I don't feel like Hannah enjoyed it. Tom, how did you find no. it? Thrilling. Your procrastination of the week was to Google procrastination. I was expecting yeah. a lot after your last. And you told of me that I can't use well, because that my procrastination. No, because was when, thinking when of you were saying today about oh, I'm trying to think of my procrastination. Mm-hmm. Does that count as procrastination? I thought, what actually constitutes procrastination? Is there different types and so on? But so you I did a bit of research. Okay. We lead very different lives. <laughs> I spent most of my week just looking for cars to buy. Oh, I've shown you yeah, a couple of good pictures of some cars now. I think you've shown me three or four different pictures of cars that you now want to buy. I mean, the problem why this is bad is I've only had my car six months and it's on finance. <laughs> so how long have you got left on your finance? <laughs> Two and a half years. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yesterday, it cost you me a so to get out early. angry that we weren't interested in your car talk. Oh, I wish I had car people here. Oh yeah, fine. I went back to the centre today, showing them the cars and they loved it. Oh, okay. Talk about it for hours. Great. It's fine. You better. stay at the centre. <laughs> how can you expect somebody who doesn't know how to drive to be interested in a car? Yeah, that's true. Oh, they are. I can tell you that much. Yeah. S- Sammy, we're talking about here. I'm 24 <laughs> and can't drive. So why would I be interested in a car? If I was interested in cars, I'd know how to drive by now. Does that well, mean you're interested in financially, buses, Financially, yeah. What? <laughs> Right, no, I, I got a bone to pick with this as well. <laughs> so I just sort of right, throw a curveball in there. What, and be like, what, yeah. what model is the bus you get I on every morning? I love buses. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I want to bring this up. What, we had a conversation yesterday on what we would do if we won the lottery. Yeah. It's Sammy's answer. Buy a bus ticket. <laughs> yeah, a yearly bus ticket. Oh, I think, yeah, but not like a driver to drive, chauffeur you around. Why would I buy a driver? I'm not the 
I wouldn't. Why? why? That's I'm not the queen. That's a waste. <laughs> no, but the queen drives herself. Thank you very much. Yeah, she does actually. I was surprised at that. I seen that the other day. So, but yeah, that's mine. Oh, I don't mind that. I think that's quite good. Yeah, I think we can we good. can back it up that you know you've shown us quite a few pictures <laughs> of it and quite a few different cars and stuff like that, different colours. Hannah, it's your turn. You do your nails this week? No. Oh, maybe actually. This no. is the problem. That's no. do a lot of times. <gasps> that was after the podcast last week. Yes, my procrastination <laughs> was getting my nails done. Thanks, that time. <laughs> this Very is the problem. Awesome. All of the procrastination she could come up with earlier were procrastinations <laughs> that happened outside of the workplace. That right. is not a procrastination. I made two loaves of banana bread this that week. That is at home. No, but she did not get her nails done in the office. So you haven't got procrastination of the week this week. My procrastination so is... So I, <laughs> I say you should bring two next week. Oh, okay. You're going to bring two next week. Okay, I'm going to have to have an unproductive so week then. who do we think won procrastination of the week this Are week? you obviously going to want it? No, I, no I think, I think Tom. Oh, okay, Tom. I think Tom. Tom, I don't point to you. We can't let Sammy yeah, get too I'll far in the lead. Yeah. I think mine hit a bit of a bum note, to be honest. It, oh, didn't, it didn't meet the... Okay. Didn't meet the the expectations of the sporkle and everything that I've set. Honestly, after sporkle last week, I was really excited yeah. for what to do this week. Yeah. Okay. Still got the lead at the top of the table. Hannah's sitting at bottom with no points. That's fine. <laughs> no points. It's okay. It doesn't mean anything. We're at the beginning of the league. <laughs> okay, so thank you for listening to episode four of Get the PHT podcast. Uh, you can engage with us on Twitter at Get the PHT, or uh, if you want to email us, so Shame Get the PHT at hotmail dot com. com yeah. Um, and I w- I hope as you've always, enjoyed the audio as in always, our podcast yeah, studio. So we haven't even referenced we're in our fancy new recording studio courtesy of Kinkoy Campus at Cardiff Met University. It's really good. Thank you for listening and thank you. Here's the jingle. Get the PhD. <laughs>